Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I'm the host as always and joining me is my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up man? How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. I got a pretty sweet Chargers hoodie on. Love the stuff from the team store. That stuff is always the best. So I look great. Covers the fat. All good, man. I love it. How are you doing, Steven? <laughs> it doesn't need to cover anything. Who are you kidding here? Uh, doing good, man. It, the, the weather is starting to cool down up here in in central california which is really nice considering it was 85 degrees on sunday and i was i was sweating in my seats on sunday at the game but uh it was a fun game you know brooke and i uh did the did the day trip down had a great time met some uh of our loyal listeners so it was great it was an entertaining game which we will dive into but uh yeah lots of fun for sure um really quickly i have to give a shout out to obviously the team and anybody that does uh any of the production stuff i thought being there for the first time this year, there were a lot of new changes and I, I really enjoyed those. Just like the game day atmosphere that the team creates is, is so outstanding. And then the, uh, the halftime show, uh, you know, it was uh, a little teary eyed, man, a little, 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 uh, needed some tissues because the, the Chargers did a, a wonderful tribute to veterans and everybody uh, that has served. It was just super well done. Um, so just truly such an outstanding, like game day atmosphere that this team creates and, uh, really grateful for it. Um, because it just makes the games that much more fun to, to be at more entertaining and, uh, just more enjoyable overall. Yeah. So far, the building itself, the stadium itself could have just could have left it And honestly, it's like a new wonder of the world. You could have just done that, but the charges have really cranked up. I think the atmosphere this year, um, Esther and I, the, the, the DJ slash violinist has a whole new stage now. And it's fantastic, and she's just crushing it in pregame, crushing it the whole time. Um, it's just fantastic. The the King Aiden, you know, fourth quarter sort of thing now, uh, where he's got like a a new. Th- Every time he's on, there's something new. Now it was just, you know, I was at the first game where it was just him ripping off the jersey and swinging it. <laughs> he's got like belly paint now and his full like crown. Yeah. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to have like a sponsorship next. You know, I don't know what it'll be, but like uh, Lakeshore or something. I don't know. Like he's gonna yeah. have some sponsor next. Um, it's awesome. Like, yeah, I love the atmosphere of being there. Win or lose, like you have a really good time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, there, like I said, there are just some new features um, that I noticed from last season. Obviously, the defense uh, enters to enter Sandman now, which is, as a Metallica fan, super cool to listen to. Um, there was like a two-minute feature as well, right before the two-minute warning in each half to you know get people riled up. So. The production at game day is, is truly outstanding. Um, if you haven't been to a home game at SoFi Stadium, just strongly encourage you to uh, get out there and experience it because it truly is an event that the team and the stadium just do a, a great job of. So um, that being said, we do have a game to dive into. We also have a, a game against the Packers at Lambeau Field to dive into a little bit today. Uh, before we do that, of course, Tyler and I are fans of the team, just like you guys are. We are very fortunate to have this platform, uh, but this is where we express our own opinions. This is not where we express the opinions of the team. Um, we are not paid employees of the team. We are simply uh, independent contractors to give our opinion on this platform, and we are very grateful for it. So that being said, Tyler, we're going to do a, a kind of a different show today. We, we like to mix it up on this show in case you guys haven't noticed. Um, so we're going to do some general takeaways, and then we're going to do a, a, a take on overreaction Monday. It's, you guys are going to be listening to this on Wednesday, obviously. So there's going to be an overreaction Wednesday, if you will. And then we'll do a, a, some little quick preview bits of the Chargers and Packers game. So it should be a lot of fun. Excited to dive into it. Uh, 
Tyler, let's get into it, man, because the, the, this was a huge game. You and I were both super excited for it. Uh, I think lived up to the billing from a final score standpoint. You know, obviously the Lions coming out victorious, unfortunately, but 41 to 38 just was an electric uh, second half of this game with both teams uh, just scoring at will, basically. So I'll start with you here. What's kind of your your big standout as we kind of move forward from the Lions weekend into the Packers game? That the Chargers may have started to find their identity on offense. And I don't necessarily mean that that means that they found a set of plays that worked. The Chargers got punched in the mouth pretty early in that game on offense and defense throughout it. But the offense clearly was not working initially. There was the interception. They had one field goal. They punted twice. They really didn't get anything going until about seven minutes left in the second quarter. And then Keenan Allen was just over it. And you could tell at the game when they zoomed in on him that he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm sick of this. Let's go win this game. And then Herbert, and I'm glad you pointed this out because I noticed it at the game. After that run, they flashed to him and his, his face after that scramble that he had where he picked up a first down. And like he had this look that was different. You know, he's usually very like stoic or, you know, content or excited when there's a big play. I don't rarely see like angry and kind of just like agitated Justin Herbert, you know? And there was a point where it just felt like Kellen Moore, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert just said, you know what? Our backs are up against the wall. We, we have to win this game for our team. And I'm one of the best receivers in the league right now. You're one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Let's just go beat up that defense, dude. And there was just some aspect of, like confidence and swagger and almost aggression that this offense had that I hadn't seen in a while. And if you rule out the, the rushing plays where they're at the one yard lines, you take away the goal to go stuff and all the one line at one yard attempts, they averaged 5.45 yards per carry per attempt. in that second half, I mean, they really started to figure out everything and they had the speed option to Austin Eckler. And it just, you could just tell they all started to figure it out. And I think their identity of we're just going to go win this thing and we're going to be aggressive and die trying. That's kind of like an identity. I feel like they can lean into and springboard forward into um, against the Packers who have a very depleted secondary right now. Yeah. I think that's a great place to start. Obviously a lot of people will, will want to talk about the defense and we'll get to them for sure. But the way the offense played and specifically those two players, like you mentioned, I thought was truly one of the best games from a quarterback receiver duo that I've seen in some time. And I think Kel Moore also was really locked into that. And I just really loved the plan watching it on tape, loved watching what Kellen Moore was dialing up to get Keenan Allen open. Uh, Ted Nguyen, who writes for The Athletic, who's been on this show with us, um, featured, you know, Kellen Moore's plan for Keenan Allen in his article where every single week he highlights his favorite coaching decisions of, uh, of the weekend in the NFL and you watching the tape early. You saw the lions have a very clear plan of we're going to try and take away Keenan Allen. We're going to make your other guys beat us. We're going to dare you to run the football and we're not going to let Keenan Allen beat us. And I think for the first quarter, it was working. You saw Justin just kind of, hang on to Keenan, you know, in certain instances where he usually is so quick as a processor and Keenan's doubled or there's a guy crowding him or there, or there's just kind of safety help over the top. And 
early on in the second quarter, Kellen started to just use him as the motion man. He would use him motion into a bunch set, motion him to be the X receiver, which we don't really see a ton of for Keenan Allen, but it's a way for Kellen to to draw up one-on-one matchups for Keenan Allen. And like you mentioned, uh, they were aggressive with it. It wasn't just usual like option routes, like Keenan isolating space and, and work his magic. It was post routes. It was corner routes. It was vertical stuff down down the down the down the field, and I think that's ultimately what got them going. And I think the you know Kellen has tried to, I think, kind of balance what the Chargers had been previously versus like his own thing. And I think we've seen the Chargers kind of struggle with a little bit. And I think they got back to what Kellen is really used to this week. And I think that really paid dividends with how aggressive they were, how vertical the passing attack was. And we saw Jalen Guyton get involved. We saw Quentin Johnson get involved. We saw some targets to Stone Smart. We saw Donald Parham get involved. Um, it just was refreshing to see. And it was, you know, obviously Justin getting back to really playing at, at the level that we expect of him, uh, leading five touchdowns in, in the final five drives of the game for the Chargers just was they needed every bit of it, man. And I remember sitting in the game when it was 24 to 10 or it might have been 17 to 7 or 17 to 3. I can't remember specifically what moment it was at. Um, but I remember looking to to Brooke and just saying, like, this is a game that Justin just needs to come in and take over. And he did it because, you know, obviously they didn't win. But this is a game where Justin Herbert just establishes, you know, reestablished himself as a guy who said, you know what, I, I can bring my team back in this kind of game. And unfortunately, he came up short as a team, but Justin just put on a show, man. And it was it was outstanding to watch in person and on tape. Yeah, and it, I say the whole Keenan Allen thing. I talk about Keenan Allen because he was awesome in that game, but I don't mean that they only can throw to Keenan and only do that because that's been part of the frustration, right. right? You started to see, though, that Herbert just takes that next step when the trust in other players is also there. And there's two plays that really exemplify that. One was the fake screen to Darius Davis to the right that ended up being the Jalen Guyton touchdown. Um, yeah. Jalen Guyton was going to fake. Like, we've seen this a couple times throughout the season from the Chargers. It looks like they're setting up a screen. Oops, there's a wide receiver running past me touchdown. But you look at that throw, man. Like, that's one Like that's one of the Herbert throws. One of those yeah. ones where if you gave me two billion tries to make it, I would lose <laughs> all two billion of them. You ask most college quarterbacks to make that, and they will not make it every time. Herbert Cam. And there's just that trust in him and trust in Jalen Guyton, you know, the guy that he threw his first touchdown pass to, the guy he threw up a jump ball against Jesse Bates to. Like, there's just a trust with him and Jalen Guyton, just knowing where he's going to be. And that was, it was just beautiful, beautiful play design, beautiful throw. Like, and that was the throw where you're like, okay, Justin's back. And the other one is where he had to scramble and throw to Quentin Johnson. I didn't really mm-hmm. realize this until I saw um, JT O'Sullivan discuss it on the, you know, for the QB school. Spent, I think, like 38 minutes talking. Justin Herbert was just like, that's my thing, man. Go he's watch so that good, sort of too. Stuff. JT yeah, O'Sullivan so is good. fantastic. He is, and he makes it fun to watch, right? And it's, and it's fun when it's Herbert, and he's really stinking good, right? Yeah. Um, he was rolling to his right, and Quentin Johnson, this is, like, this is a big trust moment right here. Quentin Johnson knows Herbert has to scramble, and you can see him just wrap from wherever he was, like 20-ish yards down the field, wrap around to his left and turn around, and Herbert has to throw running right to his left to that side of the field as Quentin Johnson is turning around. Oops, hit my mic. Is turning around <laughs> to try to you know help out Herbert, and he picks up a huge gain. Like that is a huge trust building thing for Justin Herbert. So yes, Keenan Allen is the engine 
you know, Herbert's the, obviously the quarterback. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, that's the thing you do really well. But starting to find trust in other guys, Quentin Johnson doing that for Justin Herbert and being reliable there, and then Jalen Guyton being back and allowing Justin Herbert to feel that comfortable, you just see this offense is like, yeah, we're, we're going to figure it out. I really feel like, while I don't think they'll put up 38 points a game, I definitely think this offense is, is more back on track because say what you want about the Lions defense and what you think of them maybe historically, they were two spots better than the Jets in dropback EPA going into this game. Does that mean they're a better defense? No, I think the Jets have a better front seven, of course. But the Lions were a pretty good defense. And Herbert, Keenan Allen, Kellen Moore, and everybody just said, yeah, we're going to shred you. Yeah, to your point, uh, I, I saw this stat earlier today. Uh, let me make sure I find it. This is from Ian Hartitz. I think I, I said that right. I apologize, Ian. Uh, he works for, for PFF. Um, he's, he pointed this out that just eight defenses in the NFL have caused, quote-unquote, havoc plays on over 50% of their opponent's snaps. So a havoc play is a tackle for loss or no gain, a forced fumble, an interception, pass deflection, or a pressure that results in a hit on the quarterback. And the Lions are one of those teams, one of those eight. So the eight are the Browns, the Cowboys, the Jets, the Bills, the Lions, the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Ravens. So those are teams that, (laughs) yeah, pretty good. And the Chargers have played a bunch of those teams also. Um, But those are the teams that are creating negative plays at a really high level. And the Lions rank very highly in several categories. We talked about it on our own channel, how difficult this defense makes things on you because they're so sound. They're so aggressive. They, they have just a young, fast defense. And for Herbert to play like that, like I, I thought that the Chargers could put up points, but for Herbert to do that, at one point, he there was no Keenan Allen on the field. There was no Gerald Everett on the field. You know, he's throwing to three receiver sets with Quentin Johnson, Jalen Guyton, and Darius Davis, and Stone Smart is out there. Like, it truly was one of Herbert's best games as, as an individual. Um, you know, I, again, it, it sucks that it came in a loss, but it was just such a treat to watch him on tape afterwards because I thought that he really just, like, you could tell the moment that he just decided to put the offense on his back and will the Chargers back into the game, and, and they did that, and they had a chance to win, and that's all that he should do. Quarterback discourse, national media, is ridiculous this week. Um, football is a team sport. Um, anyways, that's my little bit rant about that. So yeah. I thought Herbert was fantastic. On the flip side, this uh, defense, just like the Chargers did to the Lions, the Lions shredded the Chargers' defense. Daniel Popper pointed this out. There have been – 14 times where an offense in the NFL has put up at least 475 yards. The Chargers defense has given up four of those 14 performances. Watching the tape was not a fun experience from the defense. It was it was just the physicality, the route running, the creativity, everything was on display. Um, and the, what the Lions were able to do was just, it was shocking. Like, it, it, it looked like, two completely different teams out there. So my, my takeaway from the defense is, is basically that they have to make changes like, like large scale changes when they are facing an above average defense. I think what this defense does well works against offenses that are subpar works against quarterbacks that are subpar young. It confuses them. But when you go up against this kind of offense, you I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive to try and disrupt them. And I think that Brandon Staley wants to keep things in front of him. He wants to trust the defensive line, which to their credit has been playing very well this season. 
Um, this was not a good game. You know, the Lions offensive line is an absolute unit. But I think in these moments, specifically against these kind of offenses, you need to be much more aggressive. You need to play faster. You need to play more chaotic, almost, I would say, just because the plan that we have seen for them to try and keep things in front of them is not working. And then also, if you can't stop the run, like they couldn't stop the run on on, on Sunday against the Lions, it just creates problems. So I, I would hope that when the Chargers play the Ravens next week or when they play the Bills in a few weeks or they play the Chiefs in a few weeks, whatever the case may be, that we see Brandon Staley make some adjustments and become more aggressive because I think that you have to introduce some chaos into the things because if you just kind of sit back and, and, and do what you've been doing, I think this is going to be the result against any above average offense and any above average quarterback. And obviously I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I don't want to see that statistic continue to grow in the, in the wrong direction. Um, I would like to see this defense be able to get some stops and some key moments because like you mentioned a few, uh, you know, one time on the show about having that feeling of dread almost when Patrick Mahomes is out there and the Chargers defense just kind of has no chance. That's what I felt on Sunday. And I just, you know, the, the Chargers score, um, they get back into the game, and then it's a 75-yard touchdown run to David Montgomery right off the bat. You know, Justin Herbert leaves this great, you know, drive with six minutes left in the game, ends in a touchdown. And the first play after that on defense is Khalif Raymond for 38 yards. Like, it's just... It was backbreaking from a defensive perspective. And I think the answer to that is be more aggressive, crank up that blitz rate, press press the receivers, and just get more physical and introduce some chaos into things. I think that really is how this team has to live against these better offenses. And that obviously was not the case on Sunday against the Lions. It was as bad a defensive performance as I can remember in the sense that I don't recall an opposing offense having this much success against the Chargers in a game that I've watched live. Uh, it felt like everything worked and the percentiles certainly work out that way. Everything for the Lions, you name it, third down, early down, passing, rushing, drop back, whatever you need, it's 95 percentile or higher pretty much. A lot of things are 99th percentile. Um, only reason it's not 100th percentile, I think is because the, the, the Dolphins played the Broncos earlier this season and that's it. <laughs> uh, it, it's just unfortunate because we hope for there to not be like a fool's gold moment, you know, and I, I was definitely more in the middle where I thought, okay, the, the defense wouldn't be as good. It has been the last two weeks. There's no way it could be, but it also won't be like it was maybe against the chiefs. And boy, it was as bad as I can recall. And like you mentioned, there's whatever they're trying to do when there's, plays going on in front of them and there's opportunities for yards after catch or whatever however they feel like they're playing or intending to play it is not working and you look at the three best coordinators they face so far this season the charges have given up 108 points and 1552 yards to the dolphins to the chiefs and to the lions in those three games and that frankly is just unacceptable results you know you you can't obviously you can't win games like that and it's just it's rough man it was it was rough to sit in the stands and watch that lions picked up 295 yards after the catch or after contact in that game they could have done whatever they wanted and there was nothing that was called that could stop them so i'm not someone to sit here and 
suggest I know what the changes need to be, but you've got to face some really good teams coming up. You know, the Ravens in particular are that next true test for your defense. Something has to change. I, I don't know what it is, but like you, you mentioned, it, it can't just be, it's no longer an issue of, I mean, not that it doesn't play a part of leverages and gap integrity and stuff like that. I don't really think it's just, we can coach and change this a little bit and tweak this and we're done. They were flat out outclassed and out, out coached and out schemed. And it's been a consistent theme now this season. So whatever it is, it has to be some pretty big changes. I don't know how you adjust your scheme of what you change or who you play, but things need to change because Justin Herbert cannot throw for four touchdowns, granted one interception too, against a good defense like that and lose because he deserves better than that to be, to be completely honest. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not sitting here and asking the Chargers defense to be perfect. And, and I thought that they, they would come back down a little bit to earth against the lions. Cause I just think the lions are, are so well coached on offense and they have, uh, you know, a, a, one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. They have the personnel to, to, you know, really score points. And then offensive line, all due respect to the Philadelphia Eagles, I think the Lions offensive line might be better than them. I like I what Panay Sewell did on Sunday was was ridiculously good. Um so I, I figured that the Chargers defense would struggle a little bit more. That being said, I still expected them to be able to, you know, get four or five stops and it just every single drive was at least past midfield for the Lions. Um even the the the, the punt that the Chargers forced in the second half was at midfield. It was it was past, you know, the 50-yard line. So there were, there were some good moments. There were some good standouts for sure. I thought Dean Leonard came in and gave the team some really good ball, you know, obviously uh, with Michael Davis being sick and, and reportedly like throwing up before the game and everything, just being thrust into the starting lineup against this team. I, I think Dean Leonard showed that he can, you know, be a reliable player when, when called upon. I think Otito Ogonia coming back from his injury stood out really well. Kalumak had some good plays. Derwin James had some good plays. It's just, mm -hmm. it wasn't enough. And there against this team when they get in that kind of rhythm i think you just have to kind of change things and i don't think the chargers were were ready and willing to do that so you know th this is uh the chargers find themselves in an afc that is just completely jumbled up there are 13 teams that legitimately have a chance of the playoffs right now and it's just it's you got to make changes on defense otherwise i think you're going to be on the outside looking in once we get to week 18 so um, we'll see what happens. I think this week, it's obviously gonna be a challenge. You know, the, the Packers will, we'll get to here in a minute, have some very talented players. They have a uh, coach and Matt LaFleur that I, I really respect a lot from an offensive standpoint. Um, but the Packers offensive line is not the Lions offensive line. So hopefully this defense can get back on track and, and specifically the, uh, defensive line. Yeah, I think with the defensive line, the edge rushers in particular, I think everyone is ready to jump back the other direction. Like, oh, just kidding, these guys are fraudulent. I really feel like the Lions just did everything they could to make sure there was no pressure. Like, one, they had the offensive line to do it, and two, they basically ensured that the Chargers rush was not going to get there. They tried everything they could to make sure it was difficult for the Chargers rush. So I understand the frustration, you know, going from 40 pressures and eight sacks to like six pressures or whatever it was 
uh, is, a, is a bit of a dramatic shift, but I think the Lions themselves did a really good job scheming away from that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for some other reactions to this game and about the Chargers season. And then we'll uh, get to some quick thoughts about the Packers game as well. All right, we'll be back in a second. Hey, guys, VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale and only on location offers all inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLonlocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. Okay, uh, Tyler, let's get to some of these overreactions that we wanted to hit on today. Uh, this is obviously a bit of a shout out to uh, Rich Eisen and all the work that he does for NFL Network and his own show. I think his overreaction Monday segment is fantastic. Pat McAfee does overreaction segments as well. I, th- I think it's a good way to really kind of gauge where things are at in some instances. Um, so we have some ideas. We'll touch on some of them. I think we both uh, talked for a little bit more than than we were planning about those uh, segments, but it's all good. Um, all right, Tyler, first one I want to get to uh, – was your idea that Keenan Allen will lead the league in receiving. Is that an overreaction or do you think that is really a legitimate possibility after what he has done through the first 10 weeks of the season? So for context, uh, Tyreek Hill is in the lead with 1,075 and Keenan Allen is at uh, 895. So, you know, there's a ways to go, right? I, I don't think it's an overreaction. I'm not saying that I'm going to go out and bet money on this, but I really feel like Keenan Allen could do it. And the way that they're playing right now and the way they found ways to get him freed up, involved, um, the way Herbert is obviously playing, Keenan Allen, I think, owns two of the seven highest yardage totals in a single game this season for him, the, the Vikings game being more. But with the most recent game that he had, I, I don't think it's an overreaction, man. I really think that he can press for that number one receiving yards title. Will he get there? We'll see. But I do not think it's an overreaction. I think with the way that they're clicking right now and the kind of angry nature that he's sort of playing with where he's over it and, and obviously Herbert and more getting him open, it's a great one, two, three. I think they'll pull it off. I think he could. I think he definitely could. You know, uh, Tyree Kill and Keenan have played the same amount of games for those who were wondering if that was that was a thing. A.J. Brown currently second in the league at 1,005, and then C.D. Lamb at 975. And then Stephon Diggs is, is right behind Keenan um, at 868. Um, those really feel like the five. I, maybe we could see Amon Ross and Brown challenge for that, but those feel like the five that have a chance of, of winning that thing. Obviously, the Eagles... They like to run the football a lot. They also have Devontae Smith. Maybe he kind of comes back down a little bit. Stephon Diggs, you know, the Bills are starting to figure out that Dalton Kincaid exists. They're starting to run the ball. They also fired their offensive coordinator today. Um, so I, I, maybe it really comes down to Tyreek, AJ, uh, CD Lamb, and Keenan. But Keenan's not far behind him, man. And, and I think, like, regardless of how you look at it, what we know is that Keenan Allen is having a career season which we kind of 
figured might have been in the works watching him at training camp, just like shredding it every single day. Um, but what he's doing at his age, it feels pretty unprecedented to me. You know, there's not many seasons from receivers over 30 years old that have this kind of impact. And, you know, I tweeted this out yesterday. If you take his, there, there have been 18 games since he came back from his hamstring injury, which was week 11 last year. In those 18 games, he's recorded 181 targets, 138 receptions, 1,549 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So, like, he's he's putting up legitimate numbers right now. Um, he's also currently tied for fifth in first downs created. He's 10th in passer rating when targeted. And he's ninth in yards per route run. So, however you want to shake it, like, the dude is having a career-high season. The Chargers posted it. A, a great meme on social media about him not being top five and then he's top five in like every regular statistic and then all of that stuff too. So I don't think it's an overreaction. I think the chargers have some favorable secondaries and passing defenses coming up. I think this is a legitimate possibility where Keenan can continue his hot play. Justin obviously trusts him at a, at a really high level. Um, Kellen is designing great stuff for him. So I'm going to say not an overreaction like you. I think there's a legitimate chance that this happens. I love that. Uh, what a what a story it would be to just in your oldest season in your in your latest season you know you think that maybe you've got you know who knows it could have just been the next year or two and that's it to put up the best numbers of your career is is pretty cool um anytime we can project that keenan allen's going to be on the team longer is good with me you know my favorite player on the team um okay my question my potential overreaction here the Chargers will head to Green Bay and they will lose. All right. Uh, so the Chargers obviously have kind of had a pattern so far this season. Lose two, win two, lose two, win two. Wait, is that right? And then theoretically the next one would be losing. So the Packers, I think, are being a little bit slept on in terms of the fan base and the way that they're kind of talking about this team. Obviously, the game is in Lambeau. I don't know what the weather is like, but it's November. I assume it's going to be cold. Uh, it is an early kick, which we've seen the Chargers kind of struggle with in, in previous years. Um, so, I, I, like, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. But to me, this is an overreaction. I, I think that the Chargers have shown that they can and have beaten teams like this. I don't really have the same kind of feelings about the Packers' defense that they can hold down Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen right now. Obviously, that they have you know, Sean Gary and, and Jair Alexander and some good players, but uh, Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator has allowed a lot of yards, a lot of points. And I think that this is an overreaction because I think the offense is just going to, to carry the day a little bit. So, um, you know, the Packers offense is also not the Lions offense. It's not the Chiefs offense. It's, it's a good unit, but it's not that much. So for me, I'm going to say that is an overreaction. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And Alexander might not even play that game. So the, the Packers outside corners mm -hmm. are a former undrafted free agent and seventh rounder. Not to say that it means that they're bad, but it certainly does not mean that they are Alexander. Um, so it, it seems like the Chargers offense is going to be just fine in the passing game. And this Packers rush defense has not been great. They try their best to defend the pass and at the expense of their run defense. And so Joe Barry, unfortunately, has been the defense hasn't been great. So I think the offense will do enough to carry the team. Um, I mostly just wanted to ask that because I know you like Lafleur quite a bit, and you were higher on the Packers, not like to an outrageous extent. Yeah, but you you did believe in what they could do this year. 
They started strong, but then just the little little pieces here and there have fallen off. Bakhtiari plays one game, then he's that's it for the rest of the season. Jenkins has been hurt. Alexander's been hurt. Ship out yeah. with Will Douglas. So a lot of changes since the projections of what they could do. So I was just curious how you felt there. So no, I don't. It, it is an overreaction. I do not think the Chargers will go to Lambeau and lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked the Packers as a playoff team heading into the season. Um, you mentioned some of those injuries. I think just how young they are on offense has really shown up too. And just some, a lot of the injuries on defense have just kind of, you know, uh, overtaking them a little bit offensive line issues as well. So, um, all right, next one here, we wanted to discuss, uh, because there was a lot of narratives obviously happening on social media about the chargers edge rushers having played fantastic against the jets. Awesome against the the bears as well. Generally just having a, a pretty good season, the three of them, a lot of people feeling that the Chargers edge edge rusher trio is overrated after what the Lions did to them uh, this past Sunday. So Tyler, is that an overreaction in your opinion? I believe that's an overreaction. There's levels to this depending on how what you felt about the edge rushers and where you placed them. So overrated could mean a, a couple of different things and depending on where you have them. But no, I do think it, it is an overreaction. You can't not do what you can't just undo and forget what they did against the previous two teams. Yes. The opponents were inferior. Of course, like the offensive line was inferior, of course, but you can't rule out what they did. And you can't forget about what guys like Thule and Khalil Mack have done against some better players throughout the season, some better teams throughout the year. You know, I thought against like the Vikings, for example, Thule had an outstanding game. Is is their offensive line, at least at that point, are they bad? No, that's a good group. You know, Colton really Miller isn't like great, but he's certainly better than what the Bears or the Jets had. And I don't know if it was Khalil Mack specifically against him, but Khalil Mack had his amazing day. You know, so I just think this was an aspect where they had Penny Sewell. Um, they had a great rushing attack. They had a really good plan overall. And I just think that it kind of avalanched into the edge rush, just not being able to do much because there was no opportunity for them to do much. I will say it's a disappointing game but I don't believe they're overrated. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think they're overrated. You mentioned some of the good offensive lines that they've played well against, and we've seen that if you don't have an offensive line like the Lions, that they will potentially dominate your football game. So it's just, it's a unit that I think, unfortunately, ran into kind of a buzzsaw of an offensive line. And we saw Kulimak had, um, I think it was four pressures, I can't remember. Um, but the right side of the offensive line for the Lions is was just like out of its mind. And Penesul to me is arguably the best offensive tackle in the sport right now. Um, what he did and has done this season is is just truly outstanding. Um, and that happens sometime. And I think also the game script from a pass rushing perspective was just not to the point where you want it to be. Um, we kind of talked about this, the third down designer packages that the Chargers have been able to do with their four best pass rushers. Well, you can't get to that when every third down is third and two. So, you know, Khalil kind of talked about this after the game. You got to be able to stop the run and then you can rush the passer. And we just didn't see that. So unfortunately, I just think that this was a bad day from the the Chargers edge rusher group. Um, but I expect them to bounce back. This week in particular, they do have a good matchup. Um, you know, Rashid Walker and Zach Tom are good young players, but they're not Panay and Taylor Decker. So um should be a, a positive matchup for the edge rusher trio. I think you still look at their numbers as a whole, and all three of them have had really fantastic seasons, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, from a run defense standpoint. 
So I do expect them to bounce back. I think that this this group in particular will be pretty angry about the Lions game, and I think they'll come out swinging against the Packers on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, are we going to do one more opportunity? Yeah, we'll do one more, and then we'll, we'll highlight some things. This is kind of highlight of both here, but um, Rashawn Gary, I think, is is a quality player that the Chargers have up next. Um, so I guess the overreaction take here is that Rashawn Gary is going to continue the trend of opposing edge rushers uh, wrecking the Chargers' offensive game plans. That is not an overreaction. Uh, he is going to start the game playing over more so against Trey Pipkins. And while I think Pipkins and Sawyer, I guess to that extent, like that right side could hold up and the Chargers scheme could help and they've improved running the football. So I think that will help. But I don't think it's an overreaction. I think we still have yet to see Trey Pipkins have a good like game in pass protection in quite some time. It's It's been quite a, a long time. And unfortunately, like they know one side is Rashawn Slater. Therefore, I will line up on the other side. So unfortunately, he does get the worst of it. But I think given Gary and how he's been so far this season, yeah, I, I don't. I think he will continue to, at least from the right side of the line, wreck the game plan. I still think the Chargers will do fine on offense. So I guess maybe not wreck the game plan. But I think Gary will certainly do a lot of damage. So no, not an overreaction. Yeah, I think if you look at what Aiden Hutchinson and like the plan was for him. Cause I think those are two defensive lines that are similar, at least in terms of like talent, because the Packers don't really have like a second edge rusher that, that really like makes you game plan for them. You know, Preston Smith is, has a lot accomplished a lot in this league, but he's not like that kind of level where you have to game plan for him. Um, Lucas Van Ness had five pressures in his first game and has two since that point. Um, Kind of puts kind of kind of puts into perspective what Thule has been able to do as a rookie uh, when Lucas Van Ness was picked 15th overall. Um, so I, I think that you you know where you're where like the threat is. You know that it's Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark a little bit as well. You know is kind of their version of like Ali McNeil. So from like a game planning perspective, you you should have very clear like identification points. But uh, you know, Rashawn Gary, to his credit, among pass rushers with at least 100, uh, 100 pass rush snaps, Rashawn Gary is six in PFS productivity rating, which measures like how often are you getting a pressure or a hit or, or a sack uh, versus like the amount of snaps that you're playing. Um, so he's he's outstanding in the advanced metrics. He's second in the league in pass rush win rate among edge rushers, trailing only Miles Garrett. So from an efficiency standpoint, Rashawn Gary is is one of the best in the league. He obviously has a new contract that the Packers gave him a few weeks ago. So this is going to be another tough matchup. The Chargers have faced a lot of great opposing edge rushers. A lot of them have had their way with the right side of the offensive line. So it's a concern. But the good news is that you know that you, that's that's the guy. You you know that you can game plan for him. Um, so I, I think he'll have have his his moments similar to how Aiden Hutchinson did. But I thought for the most part, the Chargers had a really good plan for Aiden Hutchinson. I thought that Trey held up fine. Like I, like I do agree that he's kind of struggling a bit right now, but I think this is obviously a great moment for him to have a standout performance, and I, and I hope it is. But I, I do expect him to give him some help. The Chargers have really loved to live in empty packages to kind of get the ball out quick. So I, I think you can mitigate this somewhat. But So I'm going to go maybe mild overreaction for this one. 
<laughs> okay, there's levels to this one. Mild, mild, <laughs> semi-mild, uh, you know, hot ones or whatever. We can get their their spicy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, what did you? This is a very out of there question. I don't know if you paid attention. What did you think of Nick Vanna in this game? We're talking about tight ends mm -hmm. and helping and assisting tackles because it felt like live he was making a, a pretty strong impact on several plays on replay. If you happen to pay attention to him, how do you think he did? Yeah, I thought that he was really good uh, from a blocking standpoint. I thought that there were a couple of times where they trusted him to seal off the backside. And I thought that there was a couple of times where they trusted him to seal the front side and, and he was good on that speed option play. He was the blocker out in front for, for Austin Eckler. Uh, so that PFF run blocking grade, I definitely do disagree with. Um, there was it? one play where Lee McNeil, some, I, I forget what exactly happened, but he w ended up blocking Lee McNeil and Lee McNeil obviously got him. Like, that's just not a positive matchup. It might've been like a, a counter, a trap play, but, um, for the most part, I mean, Nick Vanette has been what I've expected. He's been a solid, reliable blocker. He's not going to like transform the run game by any means, but he's just trustworthy. I do think that. Kellen's trying a lot of things to try and figure out how to run the game, run to run the ball effectively. There were some times where uh, Jalen Guyton was kind of like a lead blocker, which I don't know if I'd be doing that personally. Love Jalen Guyton. I do think he's a fantastic blocker, but it's different when you're asking him to block cornerbacks versus linebackers and edge rushers. But um, so it's, it's been good having Nick Vanna in there. I think he's a reliable blocker. We'll see what happens with Gerald Everett's injury status this week. Um, if he is out, that obviously means, the rest of these tight ends are going to have to step it up, including uh, Mr. Nick Vanette. Okay. I mean, I think they will. And the, this Packers run defense, they play literally, they play like the widest nine you could possibly play. Yeah, I've um, seen that. So I, I have a feeling that the Chargers, especially in the run game, will, will start to really officially get back on track. Yeah. I'm excited because they do give up a lot of yards. So hopefully this is a game where... This is a game where you want to run Joshua Kelly down the middle. Be aggressive with Joshua Kelly, please. Hopefully that works out. Uh, that'd be fun to watch. Um, all right, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up our conversation today. This is obviously the first time that Justin Herbert and Jordan Love will be squaring off. This is a 2020 class reunion, if you will. Um, who knows what an alternate universe would look like where Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer quarterback and, and things like that. But um, Jordan Love has started to get into more of a rhythm. He had a hot start to the season. All those injuries, I think, kind of affected him. Um, but he's had his three highest passing grades from Pro Football Focus over the last three weeks. Um, I think the Packers are starting to figure out how to get in him into a rhythm. He's spreading the ball around a lot. A lot of Packers receivers touch the football. Um, they have like four receivers that are very involved. They have the two young tight ends that are very involved. So, Tyler, what, what's kind of your thing that you're looking for in regards to this quarterback matchup between Justin Herbert and Jordan Love? Really just the what I think will inevitably separate these two and maybe even what potentially did pre-draft, and that's that who takes care of the football in these instances. And I think Jordan Love in college, for all the spectacular plays you can make, there was also as an aspect of, like, gaming and just trying, like, a little bit too much, you know? And I cannot say that I've watched a whole lot of Packers football um, I basically only have to every four years. Yeah. But now Jordan Love has literally only played like this has been nearly his only year. I just think that Herbert has just a little bit more in terms of, well, no, maybe a lot more in terms of both protecting the football and what we saw of what he kind of started to get back to against the Lions, which is that pressure to sack rate being so low. I believe they mm -hmm. credited the defense with getting 12 pressures on him. Zero of them were converted to sacks. Like he looked tremendous there and i just think that maturity 
and the processing. I think that's what separates these two. So if I'm looking at a matchup, I know they don't play each other specifically, but if I'm right. looking at this matchup and what am I specifically looking for, it's the way Herbert is the better quarterback in terms of taking care of the football and avoiding sacks. Yeah, I think it's just the consistency level. You know, I, I've watched a couple Packers game. I watched them play the Falcons. Um, and, you know, I just, I like watching Matt LaFleur. I think he's a really underrated head coach. And I think the you know, the Packers have some, some good players out there. Um, but just like the consistency aspect of things, you look at how Jordan Love manages pressure, how he is able to get out of the pocket or not. Um, you know, obviously when they design chances for him to get out of the pocket, he, he's, he throws a beautiful ball. He's got great arm talent. But if you can just muddy the pocket around him, I think that's obviously where you, I mean, that's in general, right? But specifically this week against Jordan Love, you know, his footwork, his arm mechanics just kind of tend to get out of whack if you're, if you get guys around him. So to me, this is like, you know, a big game for Otito Ogbonia to contribute as a pass rusher, Sebastian Joseph Day to contribute as a pass rusher. Nick Williams has had some good moments just from like a push the pocket perspective. You know, and you want to get those bodies around him as much as you possibly can and, and allow the edge rushers to to turn the corner. Um, as long as you can keep him in the pocket, I think that's really the the key thing. Mm -hmm. um, but just the consistency aspect of things like Herbert, you know what you're getting, relatively speaking, on like every single play. Whereas Jordan Love still has that this is his first year starting kind of vibe to him where he can get a little chaotic at times. And I think if the Chargers can bring some of that chaos out, we could be looking at, you know, maybe like a interception in a, in a strip sack kind of performance, maybe two interceptions. I don't know. That might be a little bit rich, but this could be a game where the Chargers defense creates some turnovers, which could really help them kind of erase the memory a little bit from what happened this past week against the Lions. It's interesting looking at Jordan Love's like game by game. He only has three games this season where he didn't throw an interception, but then you, it's interesting because then you look at his turnover worthy play rate and he's one of the best at avoiding turnover worthy plays. So I, I am very curious what that means in terms of the film and the production. Maybe you've seen something different where like maybe LaFleur, it just makes, has like 90% of it is all very easy, easy stuff for him. So the volume is there where he can avoid the turnover worthy plays. But then when it's time for Jordan Love to go be a quarterback, and make the quarterback -y plays and do the quarterback -y things, that's where he gets into trouble. I don't know. Packers fans, if you're listening, let me know in the comments, drive up the engagement, tell me I'm wrong. But hey, I at least pointed <laughs> I at least pointed out the fact that okay, I do have to admit his turnover worthy play rate was actually impressive and it's actually better yeah. than Herbert's. Yeah. Uh that's that that was a surprise looking at the numbers. But I think the thing with Jordan Love where he he got a little bit of a rough patch, I think, you know, he does have some confidence right now. He had five big time uh throws according to PFF this past week. So did Justin Herbert for what it's worth. Um that that's the thing with just with Jordan Love is is if he's playing confident, like he's going to trust his arm and he's going to throw these passes into really tight windows. And if he's on it, like those throws will be consistent. The Packers receivers too are very young. They've been 10, they've been prone to some drop issues this season. So, you know, th this past weekend was a good game from the, from the Packers receiving core. They didn't drop many passes and obviously it resulted in one of Jordan Love's best performances. So, um, if you've been listening to our show for a long time, obviously you remember uh, our guy, Jason Ballier, who started the podcast with us. He wanted the Chargers to draft the draft uh, Jordan Love at six that year. So this is a, this is a fun guilty as charged game, man. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we're all very happy with Justin Herbert and the way that he has panned out. Uh, but this is the first time 
maybe only the last time that Justin Herbert and Jordan Love will match up. We'll see what happens in, in Green Bay with Mr. Jordan Love. But um, it's a fun narrative game. Obviously fun to revisit some some draft stock. Shout out to Jason. I, I don't know if he's going to be listening or not, but uh, that was a fun fun draft narrative in our first year covering this team. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so much has changed since uh, 2019 when they last matched up. It was Mike Williams' first 100-yard game, uh, Shane Sykin's first game as a play caller, and, of course, Philip Rivers was the quarterback. So a lot has changed since then. So who knows what will happen in the next four years. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers were in a different stadium at that point. Devontae <laughs> Adams, Aaron Rodgers were on the Packers, Randall Cobb. Yeah, it uh, really shows that the NFL really is not for long at certain times. So, um, Tyler, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for today? Get it done. Break the streak of 2-2-2-2-2. Two, 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 two. You know, win, 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 <laughs> loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, loss. Um, go get a win. Uh, and I think that you feel better about that. That is still three of your last four that are wins. And then you're coming back and you're facing the Ravens. So I'm not trying to look ahead to the Ravens. This is a tough game, but I, I'm really hoping they go win. I'm hoping that everyone, the Packers are a very average team, unfortunately, that you look at really anything. And it's like they're 13th to 18th in every category you look at for the most part. So I think the Chargers, both sides of the ball, should look better. Well, I think one side of the ball should look better. I think the offense will be just fine. And I think they win. So really, that's my final thoughts. And I hope they win because I love coming on here and talking about wins, man. It is way more fun. But we'll be here if they lose either way. Or at least I'll be here. (laughs) It is way more fun to talk about wins. Uh, I will be watching this game on a cruise ship. uh, So I will not be on this channel. Next week, uh, Tyler will be here. We'll be joined by a guest that is to be determined to talk about this uh, Packers game and, and preview a little bit of the Ravens game as well. And then I'll be back after Thanksgiving to break down that Ravens game. So should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for this one. Uh, I'm always excited for the for the games, obviously, but there's some really fun individual matchups that I, I, I can't wait to watch on tape. Um, and, uh, you know, should be interesting to see how this team responds. You know, the Chargers have done a pretty good job recently of, of being backed into a corner and then responding in a positive way. So hopefully that trend continues this week. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Make sure to uh, like the video, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff really does continue to help uh, grow the show. Go throw one of those over on our own channel, the Get to Use Charge podcast as well. I appreciate Eddie Olvera and Greg Kim for producing today's show. Uh, that's going to do it for us. As always, bolt up. Bolt up.